You're listening to the North Peace Roundtable Podcast, your weekly podcast about theology and the Christian life. Episode 104, 104. Wow. I was just thinking about the first few times that we tried doing the intro where you're like speaking over the music kind of thing and you like kept stumbling over your words. And for some reason today I was like, he's going to do it again. And you I just nailed it. Never Look stumbling. at you go. Never. I say that stuff in my sleep all night. I'm just <laughs> practicing it over and over and over again. Um, one of these days I'm going to switch it up and make a new intro and see if anyone catches it. That's right. If you do catch it, you can claim your $50 Tim Hortons gift card <laughs> at Tim Hortons by using your debit card. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's good. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, my name's Andrew. With me as always is Corlin. Hello, hello. And Cameron. Hello, everyone. And I just want to say Cameron and I both have collared shirts on. We're professionals. And Corlin has an Oilers jersey. Youth on. pastor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Today is casual uh, Thursday, right? Yeah, Don's coming in with his so jersey. So it's funny. Um, Are the Coilers playing or something? Or? The Coilers? They, <laughs> they did yesterday. I'm wearing this in mourning. They lost to Detroit. So. Oh, oh, Vancouver wow. lost to... Uh, Real quick before we uh, dive into our topic. <laughs> New at, York. At the, <laughs> at the last church we were at, we had an executive pastor who was like, wore suits. Yeah. And he tried to uh, he tried to like implement this thing where it was like casual Friday. You know, you can like pay a dollar. So he'd take his suit jacket off. And I was off. like, bro, every day is casual day. What are you talking about? <laughs> I wear jeans and a t-shirt every day. And he was trying to be like, but we need to be more professional. And we'll start casual Fridays. I'm like, nope, it's not going to happen, man. I'm not paying. Sweet. I'll wear the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it That's was weird. It was quite funny. Anyways, today uh, we have a very interesting topic. Corlin, why don't you... Uh, Introduce the question since it was your turn to introduce a question. Come up with one, and <clears throat> someone asked you this, correct? Yeah, someone asked me this. So it was after you preached on Sunday, because uh, you talked about how things will be burned up, like from people building up the church, kind of thing. The stuff that is good will last. The stuff that is not like great in your teaching will get burned away, and the false teachers will be punished. Right. Um, so this person just came asking the question, uh, essentially. This individual asked, so what does judgment look like on the last, like the final judgment? Uh, mm. Are Christians judged? Are just the non-Christians judged? If Christians are judged, what does that look like? Like how mm-hmm. how does all of this work? Um, I, it's a very fair question. I know uh, when the individual asked me, I was like, that's maybe a better question for Andrew. Because once again, youth pastor, send it to the big guy, right? Mm. No, I'm kidding. I, uh, For me, I... I have my end times views, but if I'm being honest, I haven't actually done an extensive, extensive study on some of these things. So I answered to the best of my ability. We we looked at some scriptures and stuff, but I figured this would be a good topic because I, I remember being a kid uh, and when I heard stuff like every knee will bow, everyone will confess that he is Lord, everyone will give an account. I'm jumping around between mm-hmm. different texts and, and not verbatim, but mm-hmm. those kinds of thoughts of like, you're going to give an account and it's going to be like... I, I, I don't know if I heard it or if it was just the way I pictured it, where essentially like your life is going to play out on a movie screen in front of everyone. And you're going to be super embarrassed because of the things you said and the things you did. And everyone's going to watch your life of sin on repeat. And you're just going to have to stand <laughs> there Blu-ray. awkwardly in front of the <laughs> class and like try and figure things out. And I, I think yeah. it's a very fair question and an important one to address. Uh, see what scripture does have to say about it. See what scripture leaves uh, for us to not necessarily know until that day comes. 
because uh, yeah, it's it's a topic that a lot of Christians I think think about. Yeah, it's in, it's one of those interesting like heaven and hell and judgment. Um, there's so many like books written that you know this is exactly how it's going to happen. You know, I see all the what, David Jeremiah and all those kind of things, yeah. and like here's the steps of how it's going to happen and. With heaven and hell, I mean, we have some passages that talk about it, but there's a lot of like vagueness that, you know, what on both sides, what exactly is heaven like? Well, yeah. there's some like, you know, passages that describe how great it's going to be, but then we just, it's like we take that and then just like run with it. And then, you know, then author so and so writes a book about like, here's all the details of exactly what heaven's going to be like. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think actually the Bible tells us in vast amounts of detail. Yeah heaven or hell i mean like you said there is passages that talk about judgment maybe we that's i don't know you shared a little bit about like you know your you watch a movie cameron have you mm. ever thought about like well in my head this is what i thought yeah the last like, day would look like and i grew up with the whole left behind series yeah totally overly charismatic i'm getting raptured sure. anyway so who cares <laughs> yeah um growing up i had more questions on like okay grandpa are you in heaven are you waiting who knows uh we were kind of uh, raised with the, the thought that almost like you do something wrong and you're done or that like the grace you know the the the, the grace in repentance uh was not uh taught very much to us growing up so it was more so heavy on the grace less on the repentance less on the um on the the focus being on needing sanctification in our lives. So right. we kind of um, <clears throat> were able to think about it, but not worry about it too much because, well, God would never let that happen. You're perfect. You're going to be okay. But then if you do slip up, you know, there's just nothing there. <laughs> there's the, There was just no other explanation of, hmm. of that. So it's like, be really good because God is really good and don't do anything bad because, yeah. and then nothing else after that yeah. about what can happen. And so we were kind of left with this, um, space where you just had to kind of create your own narrative and it's actually quite typical for children or young people to be like well if if I'm not given the information I'm just going to imagine it and dream it up and then yeah. I think that's where we get all of these different variations of of what's coming because we yep. just dream yeah we we, hmm. we dream based on our limited understanding and then uh, those around us and, and then we're left with maybe not knowing it, which is yeah. more questions than answers. Yeah. yeah. So I think the there's one kind of main, you're not going to share with us what you thought. No. Oh, okay. I'm a very private person. So <laughs> I don't want to, um, yeah, I think my similar to both of you guys, like, yeah, we all stand before. And I think I've had thoughts when I was a kid of like, not the movie idea, but that God will just kind of go over, okay, and then on, you know, May 15th, uh, 1994, you said this, mm. and it's like, yeah, sorry, okay, mm. and then he right. keeps flipping through and going through the <laughs> the record of your life, so I think I had that kind of thing, and then, yeah, because I think my view growing up still was like, you're trying to be good enough to kind of make it, even though it yeah. was like, yeah, I know, I hear about Jesus, I hear about the gospel, but it, I think my view was still like, the good's got to outweigh the bad at the end yeah. mm -hmm. or else you're not going to make it. So um, very similar. And probably people listening have had similar kind of ideas. So the um, one main passage that describes the judgment is in Revelation 20. Mm -hmm. 
So I thought we'd just read it. Um, there's other there's other ones, but this kind of is the I don't know what do you want to call it the granddaddy of them all. Like it's called Judgment Before the Great White Throne. Ooh. And so Revelation 20 verses 11 to 15 it says, "Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life." And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So I could see where you could get those kind of ideas of like sea books are opened or movies mm -hmm. are played right yep. and then you're judged on what you've done right that kind of language is used so i can see where you could run with those kind of ideas of see like you stand before god and he says here's all the bad things you've done and here's all the good things you've done mm -hmm. and you made it so uh is that what this is talking about or like i don't know initial thoughts of this scene that john has a vision of uh there's a <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of reasons why um, why this has to be dissected in a few different ways, and also some reasons why some very popular leaders of the Christian faith of past have not <laughs> dissected it in very many different ways. Yeah, I was just looking through a textbook this morning at five thirty, just getting up, just poking around because Corlin didn't give us a lot of heads up. <laughs> That's true. Because um, I talked to Andrew about it Monday and then forgot to send it to the group. <laughs> great. great. Awesome. Uh, but uh, it was funny, like, just referencing uh, biblical scholars who don't touch Revelation, John Calvin being one of them, never wrote a commentary about it. It's just true. Like, no thanks. Yep. <laughs> uh, it's too weird. Yeah, and then actually, um, you know, just in reading this again this morning, it was like, well, that doesn't actually make sense if someone's already in hell. Like, they're not going to be... Yeah pulled out thrown in front of judgment can you can you guess where you're where you're going well i've been there for yeah you know a thousand years according to this just looking at it from surface level yeah because our our comment our narratives are only good for those who are living on the day of judgment or the day that you know the trumpet blasts go off and any account we've had is almost like well those who are all standing around in an airport and the yeah. idea that some are gone and then some stay for a thousand years is the narrative so yeah. It's like, well, when does this happen? Where does it happen? Uh -huh. And if those who are, quote unquote, raptured are already there, then it's like, well, that judgment seems kind of obvious mm -hmm. in the moment. Yeah. And so then all of these little pieces throughout Revelation kind of conflict with each other yeah. and leave this vagueness. Yeah. So my couple of thoughts, um, this is often where this is where the Catholic idea of purgatory, I think, comes in, which I don't agree with. But they would say, like, when you die, everybody goes to purgatory, which is basically like the waiting room sure. until the end. And, uh, you know, it, even, you know, you can kind of work your way out of purgatory to like if you're if your uh, relatives, you know, do good things, you can pray your ancestors out of purgatory. But there's something to be said. You're right, Cameron, that like, okay, if if people die and immediately go to hell and then at the end, God pulls everybody out of hell and then says you're going to hell. Like it does, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And actually the Bible talks about, uh, in, in revelation 20, it talks about death and Hades then being thrown into hell as well. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of talk. I know we think of Hades as like 
you know, Greek mythology, but that word is used a lot to describe the grave. Um, the dead are often said to go to Hades, like unbelievers. Yeah. And then actually a lot of times in scripture, uh, believers, especially in the New Testament, it, it never says that you die and you go to heaven. It says you die and you go to paradise. Mm -hmm. Or Abraham's bosom is another way that Paul describes it. But even Jesus says to the guy on the cross next to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. Yeah, today, not... So there is something like, okay, so believers go somewhere different than unbelievers. Yeah. There seems to be, right? And then um, even Paul says, like, I would rather depart and be with Christ. He doesn't say, I'd rather depart and go to heaven. But we've, we've made up this thing of, like, as soon as you die, you either go to hell... Or your spirit kind of like floats away mm -hmm. to heaven. When biblically it's you either go to Hades, the grave, and what happens there? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Is it punishment? I don't know. Which is why the Catholics made the whole purgatory doctrine. Like it's not in their Bible as far as I could tell from like the Apocrypha. So it's they, they had to Yeah. They had to yeah. have a, a a narrative. Yeah, so I've often told people the goal of Christianity is not to go to heaven. Because the end uh, in Revelation, it talks about heaven coming down to earth, like it's God's presence coming, being with or his the people. kingdom of God is now. The, the kingdom, kingdom of yeah. God is here. So yeah. when you die, yeah, you're with Jesus. Yeah. Right. We can we know that because in multiple places it says that if you're a follower of Jesus, when you die, you're in His presence in yeah. paradise, whatever that means. I think that this this judgment before the great white throne has more to do with punishments and rewards than it has to do with, are you going to go to heaven or hell? Mm -hmm. Because there seems to be like, that's, that seems to already be decided when you die, you either trusted in Jesus or not. Yeah. And, uh, and it seems to me that then everyone who has, who's dead, right? Great and small, everyone stands before the throne and books are opened and then the book of life, so it's like kind of like, you know if you're in the book of life or not. Mm. But what are these other books? I think it's uh, what you've done and either you'll be, you'll be given rewards for what you've done or you'll be given different degrees of punishment for what you've done. Um, the reason I say that is that, that there's other places that, that talk about that exact same thing. Like in Romans. Um, yeah. Well, they, <coughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm going to. Yeah. yeah. You, like in Romans 2, 5 to 7, uh, talking about unbelievers, right? Because of your hard and impenitent heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works to those who by, to those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality. He will give eternal life. So there's this idea of like those who are unbelievers are storing up wrath where God will render each to each one according to what you've done. Um, in Luke, I'm not going to read all of them, but in Luke 12, um, it talks about different degrees of uh, punishment, right? The parable that, uh, that he gives about the end times, he says, that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according, he'll receive a severe beating, but the one who didn't know uh, and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. So he, the whole point of Jesus' parable is like, the person that knows and says willingly, well, screw you, God, I don't even care. Yeah. He'll receive a harsher beating than someone who goes, I, I didn't even realize that that was a, like, I didn't know that. Yeah. Right. So that's why people who are like, oh, so I received the same punishment as Hitler. It's like, nope. 
The Bible yeah. never says that. Like, yep. there's different degrees. That's why Jesus in Matthew 11 says it'll be more bearable on the day of judgment. And then he names two cities for Tyre and Sidon than for you guys. Mm-hmm. Meaning like, okay, so there's different yeah. levels of punishment, right? Not only that, I think Christians are forgetting the, the finished work on the cross in the sense of salvation. Because totally. um, there's one commentary that writes, Restri- uh, resurrected and raptured raptured believers in heaven will be judged for their works but sin is not the question sin is not in question as a view of at this judgment as it was paid for by christ but only faithfulness and christian service selfish works or those done with wrong motives will be burned up uh which is referenced in first corinthians yeah uh works of lasting value to the lord will survive which is the sermon on sunday so that was kind of the idea that you know those in christ those who have been saved by grace there is not judgment in the sense of destination, where are you going? Because that's actually been bought and paid for and you're actually walking through the yeah. sanctification process in your life. So it's yeah. not like you're going to get there and like wonder. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I think that yeah. the the <clears throat> if you were to believe that there is that chance of like, you know, will I make it? I think it encourages that line of thought of like, oh boy, I sure hope I make it, right? Like on yeah. that final day, like I hope I'm not wrong about knowing Jesus. I hope... I hope I believe in Jesus enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think like, it's like the entrance ticket for lack of a better term. Cause I hate, it's not like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the entrance, uh, to, to, to either heaven or hell is based on faith in Jesus. If you have faith in Jesus, you make it. If you have denied Jesus and you don't have faith in him, you don't make it. Right. But then it's like this judgment that happens is, uh, okay. Now, you know, uh, I hate using it, but like, okay, so Hitler, like you hated God and you killed 6 million people. Like you're going to receive a worse punishment yeah. than the, the little teenage brat who was like, I don't believe in God. Screw Jesus. Like it'll, it'll be different, right? Yeah. Because based on, it seems to be based on what you've done. Even the second Corinthians five ten says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he's done whether good or evil. But I don't think Paul's saying like your salvation Hope depends you make on it. what you've done, but he's saying you'll receive yeah. what you're due, either reward or punishment based on what you've done. And right? I think judgment is just a word that we're using in a really negative connotation in the sense that if you are truly um, a Jesus follower who has been saved by grace, like that judgment is over. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, totally. that is done. You, you're, you're, yeah, your salvation is not in question on Judgment Day for those who believe in Jesus. Yeah. So I think it's a really, because that was my struggle so much not knowing, again, the balance of probabilities. Am I going to make it? Because then it, it actually conflicts with every scripture about repentant living and your sins being washed away and, and being a new creation throughout the process of sanctification. It would It, it conflicts with all of that. Um, yeah. So that it doesn't end up being a part of the equation. So, yeah. is it more like an analysis? Is it more like uh, you know you get to the end and you are able to give account, but not in a negative light? Mm. I think there are things like much like you've been preaching on over the last number of months, like the provincial boundaries versus the federal boundaries in yeah, yeah. the context of our Christian worldview. And so, I think it's actually more beautiful how that happens, and I don't like to. I don't spend too much time imagining that day, but I don't think it is the jumbotron of like, oh, yeah, Cameron, 
That yeah. was a weird thought you had. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is, is she in the room or is he here? Oh, you know, like, but we that's the picture that we have, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. I think it's almost that, like, you know, well done, like I would do to my kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, after they lost a yep. basketball game, it was like, hey, uh, yeah, you could have threw up your arms. You could have blocked the pat. Like, good job. You know, like, yeah. you're still mine, even through some struggle. And so I think it's much more fatherly in that. Yeah. In and that I regard. think it's, it's, the rewards in heaven, like Paul, Paul, Jesus talks about like that store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Don't, don't store up for yourself stuff here on earth. that's just going to fade. And then Paul even says like run the race to win the prize. But I think we've viewed it as like, well, that sounds like earning your salvation. No, it's not your salvation though. Right. It's yeah. you want to hear at the end of the day, Jesus say like, Hey, well done. You did a great job yeah. running the race. And we don't know what the rewards are. We don't. It doesn't say. So some have said, I've heard someone say like, well, in the new heavens and the new earth, then you'll be given greater responsibility for whatever your job will be in the new. And I'm like, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe. Yeah. Sure. I don't think it's going to be like a pile of gold or anything like that. Cause like, you know, but we don't know what the rewards will be, but I've, I read one theologian who was like, yeah, you run the race because you want the reward, but everyone and no one's going to be like, Oh, Corlin got a bigger reward than I mm -hmm. did because we're standing in front of Jesus, right? Yeah. We're gonna that be is like the ultimate. That's reward. amazing, and who cares if you know Cameron got an extra story on his house and I didn't? Mm -hmm. Like, we're yeah. not gonna think like that. Yeah, but we still like. There's motivation to go. I want to run the race, and I want I want a reward. There's, yeah. that's no, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Yeah. Like, um, so then the question that I have then is like, do you think Jesus will go over all like like your question, right? Will Christians have all their sins gone Because like Romans 14 says, verse 12, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Mm -hmm. So like, are we going to stand? And is that an accurate view where Jesus goes, okay, I got my pad of paper here. Okay, June 7th, 1992, Andrew. Yeah. So what the, the answer would be a resounding no. Yeah, I agree. Like it would be not at all. Which again, to, to look at our brothers across the pond for lack of better sense in the in the sense of the catholic worldview where they have confession they've made a practice almost like a pharisaical like system in which we ensure that you're given constant confession yep. yeah so that you're up to date with your repentance so that on the if today were the day you're good to go you yeah. only have to give an account yeah. for the last 12 hours is, yeah. is, is their worldview yeah where ours is not much different we've just called our doctrine daily repentance and surrendering to the cross and so then even by that in our simple human mindset, we would say, well, no, yeah. this morning when I woke out of bed and I said, praise God, I'm alive today. I get to do today over. If the rapture is 15 minutes later, then there's your account for the last 13 and a half minutes as we read in scripture, because you're daily living this life of repentance and right. sanctification mm -hmm. through your relationship with Christ. And I think there's two, like, uh, I won't read them all, but Micah seven nineteen, Psalm 103, 12, Isaiah 43, 25, Hebrews 8, 12, all say, God saying to his people, I will not remember your sins anymore. Yeah. So I think it would be contradictory for it to be like, when you trust in Jesus, your sins, past, present, and future have been paid for, except when you get to heaven, because we got to go. We got to talk we about gotta that. We got to talk about all of it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, no, like, you know, if you want to use the example of the book, it just says like, paid in full. Like, yeah. So I think what the account that you're giving for is, okay, how did you live your life? Yeah based on your faith in Jesus, right? Okay, so you 
whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And he'll go through and then here's your reward. Well done. And yeah. then the opposite. Okay. You rejected Jesus, but here's the things that you did in your life. Your punishment will be more severe because yeah. you did X, Y, and Z. Right? I think so, even if, if we think of the atoning work of Christ, like what we're talking about, um, if you go all the way back to Leviticus 16, where the day of atonement is explained of what is happening, uh, it wouldn't make sense if in Leviticus, the atoning work was done by the high priest. And then as soon as they went in, God was like, yeah, but I actually remember that thing that you did though. Like <laughs> you're dead, right? Like the the role wouldn't have been able to be fulfilled of high priest, let alone the rest of the sins of the nation been forgiven. I, I, I'm having a funny picture of, and it's such a stereotype, but like of our wives when it's like, no, I forgive you. Was anything wrong? No, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah God's not like that. <laughs> Do you remember? But no, I forgive you though. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's my wife doesn't listen, so. I <laughs> but if Jesus's work on the cross was the same, like what we've just been saying, that yeah. it, it was, I forgive you, but yeah, no, there, there is none of that. It, it is final. It is complete. Even uh, Romans chapter eight comes to mind with the therefore there is now no condemnation. Right. Totally. Um, those those kinds of verses are important for for what we're trying to understand here so so i did hear one person say and i've not had time to unpack it in my own mind but they said christ crucified on the cross the stamp in the book of life for believers past present future that's a really interesting thought because that person was kind of getting at election and and getting at knowing (laughs) and then the counter to that was wait a minute so if I'm not elected and I'm dead and I'm called to judgment, my response can be, you can't judge me. I've never been given the option through your election process to experience salvation. And that's a, just an interesting thought. That is a counter argument to some who don't like or disagree with the idea of uh, God's sovereignty in the process of those who do call on his name. Hmm. Have you ever unpacked that thought? Or that argument for, and I don't know if it's in a, a depth argument or if it's shallow. Like I said, I've not spent my time, too much time wrapping my mind around it. But when it was presented, it's an interesting thought for those who are dead, who've not been, or who've not had the opportunity, or through the election, or those who've been called, don't. How does that judgment look? Yeah, that's I, like, I've actually never thought about someone being able to say to God like well, I wasn't what's chosen. not fair that you're judging me because I wasn't I wasn't chosen I, I think like my initial reaction to that is I think oftentimes when we think of election the doctrine of election or or free will those those things trying to figure out where they are in the paradox that we see in scripture of God being sovereign and us having free free will. I think sometimes, and I, I don't know if this is this person's stance or not, uh, but even for myself when I'm trying to understand how God's sovereignty and our free will works together, I think oftentimes we think that God's sovereignty is always working for the purposes of our goodwill. Um, but it's not. God is consistently working out history for his good will. Yep. Um, and so then what he does and what he allows uh, is always going to be for the purpose of his will, which is to bring himself glory. Yeah. Um, not for the, he cares about us, but it's not, he, he does it for us, but it's not 
intrinsically for us, right? Like that's, that would be just another layer of his goodwill is that there are people that are affected by that in positive ways. So I, yeah. um, or someone very negative then, cause that argument would say then that there are those born living and dying with no election or hope for salvation as a way that God's glorified. So I think there's something else there that would be interesting to spend some time unpacking. Yeah, it's interesting. I've I've heard scenarios like this where it's like, okay, you think about God choosing people before the foundation of the world and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that it's usually painted as like this picture of people like putting their hands in their air and being like, please, God, pick me. I want to be with you. Mm-hmm. And God's saying, no, you're not one of the elect. And then at the end, people, you know, it's the you know, the movie 300 and they're on the edge and he kicks them into the, mm-hmm. into hell going, bah, ha, ha, ha. and they're going, no, I wish I had more chance to repent. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that person doesn't exist. Every, every time in the Bible that people are displayed as being in hell, um, they hate God. Like all throughout the book of revelation, it says God gives them chances to repent. And what do they do? They curse God and they're in hell. And the picture is that they're, gnashing their teeth which is a sign of anger sure so they're they're my response usually to people who are like well what about people who want to be chosen or and aren't i'm they're, like they don't that exist. person doesn't exist because every picture that we have of hell is people you know flipping off god going i still hate you god even though i'm being judged right now yeah i i don't want you like and that is the camp i find myself in where i do believe that the call was not isolated but that every person does have the opportunity and i think the mystery is not in why are some called and why are some not i think the mystery is why are some not responding to the call yeah that in my own mind conflicts less with scripture than other thought patterns that actually have more Mm. contradictory because the contradiction can never push against the attributes of God, but some attributes, of course, we see through rose colored lens in that, you know, his justice and his sovereignty can never mean innocent death. Well, then you'd have to argue that death could be innocent. And I would say, no, like Mm. death is not just because of covenant breakdown and, and sin nature. So by saying the opposite, you're arguing against sin nature and you're putting yourself in more conflict with scripture. Right. So I think that some of the, the straw man arguments that are made actually conflict with scripture far more and i think that anytime an idea is presented the first thing you should do is check yeah where is the conflicts within the attributes of god yeah the context to which it's written the actual stories and what they mean why they're there and who they're for um often we base our theology on covenants and directions given to people that uh were broken or or changed or 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 um have been renewed through the work on the cross yeah and so we can't we have to hold those two the work of the finished work of the cross and old covenant language through the old testament and we even have to put some weight onto john sitting on patmos having some really interesting uh (laughs) navigating some really interesting um revelations yeah because it took quite a while for that letter to make it into the canon (laughs) And oh, yeah. it, it wasn't automatic, and it was over the process of a couple hundred years through 280-some letters, and it wasn't top of the list. Matthew was. <laughs> uh, you know, Mark and, and then, you know, 
if you study just the way it was all put together, which I've had a great opportunity to do, Jordan's wasn't right up there. Yeah, it's uh, kind of like yeah. this weird. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Even James, James almost didn't make it in because mm-hmm. Martin Luther even was like Martin Luther. So in the 1500s, said James should not be in our Bible. It's quite fascinating because he goes, it's too works based. Mm. And he, if you know Martin Luther and the Reformation, it was all like, works are bad. It's all True. faith. So, yeah, he looked at yeah. James and went, Ooh. it's just funny to me. Anyways, that's yeah. a yeah. huge tangent. But yeah, I, I think one of the other thoughts that I was thinking as you're talking is just the um, the idea of the conversations like this and, and where we're coming from with them. I think it's interesting me to think if we have someone who's standing there saying your God hates me because I'm not elected but they're still living and breathing and haven't seen who goes to heaven and who ends up in hell. Then who are you to say that you're not one of the elect? Like sure. you're still here. How do you know? Yeah. Um, and so to me, it is an interesting conversation that someone can be presented with the gospel and say, well, that's like, that's against me. It's like, well, no, like we are sharing. I think this, if someone's like, asking the question, you're right. Like those who are, lost in their sin are not asking how come i'm not chosen it's true call in the name of the lord and be saved like literally yeah call in the name of the lord and it would conflict with every attribute of god for someone to be calling on the name of the lord and him to say sorry bud yeah and like and it's just yeah people we use these kind of like arguments where it's like well what if someone calls on the name of the Lord, but they're not chosen. That person doesn't exist. Then the yeah. Lord Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So so for me, it is right? in those moments when someone's yeah. like, your God must hate blah, 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 and all these things. It's like, okay, you want to bet? Call on his name right now. Like, <laughs> believe. See if he actually does hate you because yeah. he doesn't, right? Like, it, it is one of those things. It, it comes back to the picture, like you said, where people are in, like, there's nobody in hell saying, man, I wish I had had longer per se. It's more like giving the middle finger to God, like, mm-hmm. yep, nope, still hate you. Mm-hmm. Which has actually allowed me over the last number of weeks, it's been a topic floating around. But um, even in thinking of my own family, and I've used my father as a reference, who, right. who I have not been able to explain why there doesn't seem to be more there. But in thinking, I remember, like, I remember him in church. Like, I remember him praying. Hmm. He had a really hard go. still does. But then I started thinking, like, is that the judgment? Am I going to be standing with my father in front of the Lord and hmm. the Lord say, like, Kevin, like, like what happened? Hmm. Um, but still there because it does then conflict with, once saved, always say sure. it. And then yeah. like, okay, well, I saw him call on the name of the Lord when I was a kid. Like I watched that. I saw hands raised in church. I saw weeping. And then I saw just brokenness, like just death and poverty and brokenness throughout his life. And that just weighing. And mm. so then it changed my thought from being, how come he's not saved to like, wow, it's really unfortunate that his expression that we call this time on earth has been hindered hmm. just because of like environmental and just the nature of where his life has brought him so yeah. then i wonder then if it's like that you know that watching my kid play basketball and walk off after she got beat was that kind of arm around the like what happened there mm. like or <laughs> yeah you're, you're here i'm your father i love you like what what happened and that actually conflicts less with some of the way i've been taught to view God most recently so it's almost encouraging because he doesn't hate 
God. Like he's mm-hmm. now, he, like he's not angry. Or like he's almost just reserved. And and uh, so I've I've been. It's been an, a changing thought over mm-hmm. the last number of weeks. But and then I have to ask myself: Is that something innate that's designed as humans to lessen the thought of my father going to hell? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, because we do that. I think naturally we do that. We look at something difficult and we find ways to minimize the pain that yeah. could be through difficult information. Yeah. Which is where some of these questions are birthed because we desire clarity and we desire wholeness yeah. and we're adverse to pain. Hmm. I, I think yeah, too, some of these things are, um, the thing that I'm thinking of is conversations about once saved, always saved. I think sometimes Christians have the attitude of, uh, you know, let's disciple this person by, I'm not saying you did this with your father, but this is a very generalized comment of like, okay, they've come to Christ. Good. My work is done. Right. Either that, or it's like, let's disciple them by never talking to them again. Cause they're here, they're in church. Good. Andrew can do it. Or like those kinds of things. And then if someone struggles to the point where they start making very poor decisions or, or what we would maybe deem as walking away, so to speak, we're like, well, I guess they were never saved. Throw our hands up and I'll keep going to church and listen to Andrew and invite mm. another person to listen to Andrew. Instead Try of, again, yeah. And and I think that is almost where the misconception comes with uh, people who would believe God's sovereignty and free will going together of like, um, yep. we just we just label those people then as unsaved. And we just leave it there instead of actually following biblical principles of like, hey, if someone's walking in sin, go and talk to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they are following Jesus, go and talk to them. Hold them accountable, not in the sense of like passing judgment, in, but in the sense of, like you said, like reflecting like what God does, where we go with arms open and say, hey, like what's what's mm-hmm. going on here? Like, let's let's walk through this together. I love you. Let's let's figure this out. Um, and then if it doesn't happen to bring another person and if that doesn't like, mm. we don't follow the processes often. I think often we just throw our hands up and say, well, guess God didn't do the work. It's like, well, it's a really good point. And I know you were trying to finish that. Your hands are waving, but I was just <laughs> thinking, um, my judgment in front of the Lord could be that Cameron, you knew your dad was hurting. Like you, like right now in this, like last few weeks as I'm reflecting, I think it would be fair judgment if in a month I've not reached out to my dad and said, like, how are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, if I've been given this um, freedom in Christ and then, then then given this responsibility of this weight of, like, wow, where is this person? Hmm. How are they doing, f- family or not? I think, like, you're right to ignore that and to go on to just some low, lower-hanging fruit of someone who's eager that could be God being like, okay, you missed an opportunity. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, you felt that you were convicted by it. And you did nothing about it. Yeah. Hmm. Like that, and the Bible but, does talk about that being sin. If yeah. we know something is right in our heart and that's not to say that our heart isn't deceitful, but if God convicts you of something and we choose not to act on it. Um, I, I read a really, really great article and it just makes me think, uh, cause I think sometimes when we talk about stuff like this, we can be like, shoot, I have to talk to everyone. I have to disciple everyone perfectly. I have, I have to, I have to, um, I read a really great article and I would highly suggest it. It's called the tyranny of the urgent. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the author, but if you look that up, you will find it. Uh, if you look it up in Google, mm-hmm. um, and he talked about how Jesus's ministry was not one of urgency, but one of purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he does and says only what the father wants him to. Yep. And I think as followers of Jesus, we can do that. So that doesn't mean that we walk around with a high chin past everyone who we don't feel convicted to talk to. Mm. Um, but I think it is of the utmost importance then 
that when we feel convicted and we know that God is leading us to talk to someone and, you know, uh, I'll, I'll give an example. I was, I came into the church the other day and there was a gentleman standing by the door and I super awkward, like nobody knew, like you could tell neither of us knew if either of us were going to say anything type deal. I walked into the door and I, I had to stop cause it was like, there was like a wall of conviction in front of me for best, for lack of better language. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you need to talk to that young man. Hmm. And I didn't know what to say. Like, okay, I, here I go. And I, I swung the door open and we ended up talking and, um, who knows what will come of that. Right. And, and I think Christians get really uncomfortable and we're like, Oh shoot, I don't, I don't know the person. I don't Uh blah, blah, blah. And it is, yeah. To, to say that if we are not acting on our convictions, you are sinning if Mm -hmm. there's, but also to not act on the shame, if that makes sense. There's a Mm -hmm. difference between shame and conviction with stuff like this. If you're just sitting here listening, being like, Oh man, there's so many people in the church that I need to talk to. Maybe, but like, I wonder if it's not a sin issue though. I wonder if it's more like that, you know, because I think of my, just as the example I was using, I don't feel sinful not to call my father because there's like some layers of uh, stuff, you know what I mean? Like, and there's just layers of life. And so I do think it's just a really good point of conversation and a fair judgment for God to sit me down at the end and be like, and really it's based on now because like I said, it's pretty pretty new thought in my mind and maybe that's the healing process where um you know I, I left home quite early and there's stuff but maybe that's god's healing purpose now where that judgment could come now it may not have come half mm. a year ago sure when it's not been placed on my heart and mind but over the next three months like i said if i don't reach out or i say you know how are you with the intention of starting that conversation then i think that is that God wouldn't be like you sinned in that moment. I think it's more like you missed an opportunity to share mm. in that moment. Mm. Cause there's not, I don't, there's not, cause that would be, it would be again, conflicting with works righteousness and that idea of like, you had a thought, you didn't act on it, sin, or you had an opportunity to share the gospel. You didn't sinful because then it's, there's layers of like, well, I'm not in a healthy place or, so I think it's more, that could be a better more organic idea of judgment like where there's going to be an opportunity where we do get to reflect hmm. and there's going to be things shed light on that maybe we were not aware of or maybe we were and we suppressed and i think it's going to actually be like the most healing moment for a believer to actually sit in front of the lord and be like that weighed me down so much i can't imagine the freedom we will feel once these kind of things are brought to light hmm. in a loving relationship like the way we chastise our children, like, man, I love you, but you, you should not have done that. Yeah. Um, here's how it could have worked out better. I don't know. I just think you, everyone will walk away from that interaction, no matter what it looks like, feeling completely relieved and, and like feeling more loved than ever before hmm. or thrown into fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I was going to say, not the ones going to hell. <laughs> There's not going to be relief there. Oh, gosh. So to summarize, uh, yeah. You're <laughs> if you made it this far. Yeah, if you're still listening. You're with us, Shelly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We have our super fans. Um, but yeah, I think uh, the judgment that that's talked about in Scripture and giving an account, I think uh, that's primarily and maybe even exclusively talking about rewards and levels of punishment 
because your entrance into heaven, whatever you want to call it, paradise, heaven, Jesus presence, or your entrance into hell is based on, did you have faith in Jesus or not for your salvation? So when it talks about, you know, everything that you've done coming to light, I think it's, I think we would agree that it's, okay, what did you do? If you're a believer and you have faith in Jesus, your salvation is secure, but what did you do? And now here's your reward. Or on the opposite, you've rejected Jesus. Uh, well, your punishment, you're going to hell, mm-hmm. but what did you do? And now the degree of punishment that you get, would that be fair to say? Like, it's not a, it's not a, like we stand before God, you know, biting our nails. I hope I make it in. If you have faith in Christ, you're in. Yeah. But now what did you do with the time that you had? Right. Did you run the race to get the prize? Um, and here's your reward. Right? And I wish we touched on it earlier because we've been doing this for a few minutes now, but <laughs> it is a very poor um, view of the kingdom of heaven to think that it happens when you die. Because I, I, yeah. I think that and I could be wrong. I feel like the the person on the, the cross next to Christ, where today you'll be with me in paradise, I think had they not have been dying in that moment and that he would have found uh, the teachings of Christ and, and had believed in him, then today he would have been with him in paradise had they been walking along the sea. If we truly believe that the kingdom of heaven is here, is now that kind of the kind of now but not yet mm-hmm. doctrine that we believe, um, we are giving far too much weight on when it's this life is over and not about the the kingdom of heaven and the fact that we are indwelt with the spirit of the living God yeah. now. And so are we in this brokenness? Yes. So what changes at the end? Because hmm. we often think we change like, this judgment is going to then determine some other futuristic reality for us where this morning when we woke up, we are with Christ. We are, Mm -hmm. he is with us. It's just very not yet. And now. Yep. That's good. Well, episode one Oh four judgment. Boom. Uh, thanks for listening. If you made it all the way, (laughs) say your prayers and say your prayers. (laughs) God's watching. Uh, if you, uh, do have any questions or things you want us to cover, please reach out, send us an email or a message or whatever. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for being a supporter of the show. And we will talk to you next week.